We're going to start off by saying you are tuned into 91.3 WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York, Local Motion. I'm your host, Rita Ryan, here each and every Wednesday afternoon. And I am thrilled to have on the phone with me today's guest, Tony. You there? I'm here and psyched to be here. Well, great, because I'm psyched to have you here. And uh, yeah. it's always a really good start if I don't disconnect my, my calls. So, um, yay, we're, we're in the red. Well, we're in the red already. So it's a good thing here. So, yeah, no, that's that's a good place to start. Yeah, um, absolutely. I have the AC on back here. Can you hear it? Is it too loud? No, no, you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. Beautiful. It's all being drowned out and you're going through the board. So we're good. Um, I'd like to start off by giving the listeners just a brief introduction if I may, and start off by saying drummer Tony Leone. He was a founding member of the band Ola Bell. He was also part of the band Chris Robinson Brotherhood and is now the newest member of the legendary band Little Feet. He has worked with countless musicians, including Levon Helm, Anders Osborne, Phil Lesh, Chip, Chip Taylor, just to name a few. And with that, I'd like to be among the first, Tony, to wish you a very happy birthday and a warm <laughs> welcome to Local Motion, Tony Leone. I, with an intro like that, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed Aww. with joy and, and gratitude. <laughs> yeah, and you were born two days before man landed on the moon, I read. That's correct, yeah. My mom always tells me that she watched it from, uh, from the hospital bed. Awesome. Maybe we watched it together, you know. Maybe you did, and you just don't know it. I'm just a few years older, and I faintly remember it. I was, like, really, really young and faintly remember that day. But um, you you have definitely something to compare for your birthday. So that, of course, is this coming Sunday. And I hope you have a fun weekend and a a very good year ahead and all good stuff coming your way. Thank you. Thank you very much. And interestingly enough, uh, Richard Branson, who I also celebrate a birthday with i share share a birthday with him did his big uh space <laughs> exposition the other day yeah so kinda, kinda, yeah yeah a little uh coincidence there funny, historic fine funny how that worked out really yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so let's go back a little bit i always like to say this is your life tony and oh, start man. off um but it's a really cool way because you know you're having a good career here you're having a good life so you're from the northeast you're from connecticut yes Yes, I grew up in a town called Newington, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of south of uh, Hartford, the capital. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of smack dab in the middle of the, the state. And talk to me about music. What were you listening to? I know, I think you started playing in bands at like a crazy young age of 11? Yeah. See, well, my, um, my folks were always really into music. They, uh, my dad played drums in high school, and by the time he was 13 or 14, he was actually playing anywhere from three to four or five nights a week with a band. Like, there wow. were, um, back then, places had bands all the time, you know, and if you went to uh, your local pizza spot, there might be a band playing there, you know, and so he was in a band called the Continentals. He said they worked constantly. They all wore the same suits, or at least in the pictures that I've seen. <laughs> what did he play? And he played drums. Drums, okay, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have very uh, early memories of him setting up his drums uh, in the living room and kind of all the neighborhood kids kind of peeking in through the window and 
because it was making you know such a big sound you know and i i have very early memories of him sitting behind the drums and and playing and the things that he used to play to i can still remember so wow wow there so you go. my folks definitely had a huge influence on me and were always extremely supportive in every endeavor that i ever did musically for sure it's great having parents like that was were drums your first instrument or did you try anything before I'm trying to think. I, I think uh, I think formally I I just went to the drums. Pretty sure, like for my fifth or sixth birthday, my folks got me a practice pad and a pair of sticks. And I can remember my dad actually showing me some things, like writing out a couple of little sticking things to work on and playing on the bottom of like a bushel basket when I was maybe six or seven. Nice. But, uh, you know, I wasn't really, like, uh, disciplined or anything, you know. It was just like, but I always knew from a very early age that I wanted to play music. I loved rock and roll. Um, you know, I watched the show Happy Days religiously. Yep. And and uh, heard about, uh, and there also that movie American Graffiti hit, like, in the mid-'70s. So I can remember being a kid and, and watching Happy Days and, hearing Fats Domino and Jerry Lee Lewis and Chuck Berry and and Elvis, too. And I, by the time I was, like, five or six years old, I was I thought Elvis was awesome, you know. And so he probably died when I was about seven years old, mm-hmm. seven or maybe eight years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I, he was my idol at that point in mm-hmm. my life, for sure. No. Yeah, and um, so young in bands already. Did you have uh, music lessons, or did you learn from your dad? Well, yeah, he started me, and then um, in uh, fourth grade, we still had a band program in Newington. So in elementary school, you you got to choose an instrument. You yeah. know, I think everyone had to, like, try a string instrument at first. This it was required, you know. This nice. kind of thing is is not happening in schools as frequently as it, as it was back then, you know. So everyone was required to try a string instrument. And then, you know, you were kind of, I don't know, maybe judged on your abilities and then kind of placed on different instruments. And Or I think if you gravitated towards something, you could choose an instrument. And I remember at one point, I really thought I wanted to play the saxophone, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to try it. Um, that song Baker Street was really hot on the radio, and I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to be able to play that on saxophone? But then I just thought, well, you know, we have Dad plays drums, and we have drums already in the house, so I think I'll I'll just do that. And uh, honestly, playing saxophone is it's saxophone is one of my favorite instruments, but. Thank God I didn't pick up the saxophone because there are so many incredible saxophone players already in the world. Right. I right. think if I had done that, maybe I would have become like, you know, I don't know, something else. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like an architect or something. Who yeah. Knows? Something, some other kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And you went to a performing um, arts high school too. Yeah. I did. Um, yeah. Probably my sophomore year in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a. There's uh, there's a school that was just starting that is now a huge facility in Hartford called the Greater Hartford Academy of the Performing Arts, and it was 
my sophomore year in high school, it was just getting started. Um, and it was the very first year and I auditioned and I got in and it was, it was really an incredible experience because I would do my academics in the morning at my normal high school. And then every day, Monday through Thursday in the afternoon, we would go and do ensembles and take music theory classes and do that kind of stuff in the afternoon. And, um, had some incredible teachers there, um, was exposed to really great music and really started to learn about jazz Mm -hmm. and people like Miles Davis and John Coltrane and Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers and and really started to dig into that music pretty seriously then. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What a great place for a high school student to go to have a a music and a performing arts school like that that can foster you you know and like you said there's so many schools that have a very minimal music program so how good for you that you were exposed to something like that and and then if I understand correctly after that you went to the University of Hartford uh, the Hart School of Music. I did I graduated Newington High in 1987 and um auditioned uh, for the Hart School, and that was also an incredible experience for me in many ways, because I think at that point in my life, if I had tried to go to one of the bigger cities, say, um, you know, Boston, Berkeley, or to New York, to like the New School, or or, uh, Manhattan School of Music, I think, for me, I... Um, I was always really driven and always had a deep love for music, but was perhaps not as focused or disciplined back in those days. And I think I might have gotten swallowed up if mm-hmm. I had gone to maybe a bigger city. And so the people that I met in Hartford, the teachers that I had, um, were the, the other students that I met and played with were all really... It just was a really fertile ground for me, you know, and, and a very nurturing environment. So right. in a lot of ways, you know, so it was, a, it was a good experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that age, it's sometimes hard to be that age first time away from home and be thrown into a big city. So good for you for for staying at heart. Um, great renowned school as well. So as music. School. Yeah, it was a cool school. And then I, you know, not only did I go there and, um, but I ended up teaching there for a little while too, which also was a great experience. So, I bet adjunct professor, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Maybe on and off for about almost ten years. Wow. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. And then you can really connect with the students, right? Because you, I mean, you were yeah. there. You know, I was there. Yeah. You were there, so. and you studied under Jackie McLean. So Jackie McLean was the chairman of the jazz program. It was a program that he started basically from scratch. He uh, was a lifelong New Yorker, grew up in Harlem, in the Sugar Hill section of Harlem with neighbors like uh, Bud Powell and Sonny Rollins. Damn. Um, giants in, in jazz, you know. And, um, and at a certain point in his life, he decided he, he had been going up to teach uh, single classes in almost like maybe like jazz appreciation kind of class. And then he basically, he built a whole 
jazz uh, accredited jazz program around starting from that one class over the course of I think probably almost 30 years wow. so wow. Um, and he was just an incredible not only incredible musician and genius of the alpha saxophone but he was an incredible character that like on any given day would like pluck you out of the hallway and say come on with me son we're going to the <laughs> office for a minute and then you know tell stories about hanging out with charlie parker and thelonious monk and bud powell and oh. and um and uh he was he was an incredible force you know anybody that was lucky enough to study with him or be around him uh got to feel that force and he was really something else yeah yeah he didn't just teach you the instrument he he taught you the whole scene which is so and, cool yeah that was that was the cool thing about it you know and he used to say that he used say, you know, the kids going to Berkeley, they might be getting, you know, more intense theory classes and stuff like that. But I, you know, I mean, I think, uh, you know, music is not this thing that's only written on paper, you know, it's right. not this analytical thing. It, it's, it's like a, it's like, uh, like a folk, mu um, you know, jazz or blues or any rock and roll, any of it, it's like a folk music that's passed on from generation to generation. So to get that side of it, you know, that um, the whole, uh, like in the jazz scene and that Jackie came up and to get that whole social side of it and, and uh, the human side of it, you right. know, that's what, that's what he passed on to, to everybody, all of his students, you know, that were around him. Right, and that's so. a valuable lesson to have. And then after you graduated from Hart, you moved to New York City for a bit? Well, yeah, I moved to New York City for like a year, and mm -hmm. then I was playing around, and then I got a call from an old college buddy of mine who knew a banjo player from New York that was looking for a drummer to go to Berlin for a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up going... I got. I auditioned and got this gig, and it was for, like, a... for, like, a, a, like a Broadway-type review mm -hmm. in, East, in East Berlin. Oh, wow, and before it, the wall was, came down, right? Four years after the wall came down, oh. just after that. So okay, okay, yeah. Really intense time, and um, even though the music that I was playing it was kind of like traditional trad jazz, you know what people call Dixieland. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really my cup of tea, and it certainly wasn't as cool as the music that I wanted to be associated with. Which was like, we want you know coming out of that school, we wanted to play in the style of John Coltrane, which is heavy spirituality and, you know, really intense art music, you know, and I was kind of taking this gig knowing that it was like the opposite of that, but it was like I had a, some, some student loans to pay off. I had been living in New York and I was working at a health food store. And so when this opportunity arose, I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll go to Europe, make a little money and stay there for a little while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and just see, you know, just get to see another part of the world. Right. And looking back on it now, it was like, that was a pretty good move for me at that point in my life, mm -hmm. you know, um, to change things up a little. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. And then just, you came back here, yes, after what, a year or so? 
So now, then I went back to Hartford. I lived there for four years. Worked a lot in Hartford with a trombone player named Steve Davis, who mm-hmm. was a friend of mine, older friend of mine that had worked with Art Blakey. He had also worked with Chick Corea. Wow. Um, and he was starting a, uh, a band and um, would, he just always had something cooking. He was bringing, bringing up musicians from New York and we would be the, the backing band for some of those different musicians. So after about four years of being in Hartford again and working with Steve and the bass player, Nat Reeves, um, then I decided to move back to New York and I moved, so I moved back in 98. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And you've kind of been there ever since. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 20, that... 23 years now or something. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And then, um, I'm guessing what you just played around New York and, and then came the resurrection of this great band, Olabel. Talk about that a little bit. Well, it was, it was, uh, that was really an incredible time for me. Um, so I moved to New York to pursue jazz music. I really, that was all I wanted to do. I wanted to seek out any of the, the older uh, masters that were still around and, and play with them, you know. And I was lucky to get to play with a few of them. And um, But while I was studying that music and kind of pursuing that situation, I always had one foot in rock and roll. I always had one ear in rock and roll. It was the music. It was it was my music, you know. It was the music I came up listening to. It was the music that made me want to play in the first place. Right. So um, I always had a part. Part of my heart was always there. With And when I say rock and roll, I talk about, you know, all the early guys from Elvis and Chuck Berry and Little Richard on up through all the bands of the 60s and into the 70s. So I grew up listening to classic rock radio, and I, I just, it was always a part of my psyche and my heart. So even though I'd been kind of running in these kind of circles with guys that were just really focused, really um, had the blinders on with regards to jazz, you know. Right. I, I was kind of still hoping like man i gotta figure out a way that i can start playing some some other styles you know and i met a few people and i started hanging around on the, in the east village a little more where there were some rock clubs and there's some folk clubs and um and i mean it's kind of a long story but little by little i started to meet the members of what would later become Olabel. I think first uh, a friend of mine and me were walking around the East Village and we went to a spot called Manitoba's one night and we saw this blonde woman in there playing guitar with a band and singing kind of like country music and so we went in and checked it out and it was Fiona McBain. Ah. Um, And she, you know, she had been living in New York and having her own band and like playing gigs around town and was, uh, you know, had some interest from a few labels, um, doing her own thing. And 
Byron Isaacs had been playing bass in her band. Yeah. Um, Glenn Pacha had been playing some keyboards with her. And so, I don't know, uh, and she had already been doing some gigs at this spot called the 9C, um, which was basically the spot. It was Avenue C and 9th Street, and that was basically the, the bar that Olabel kind of came to life in, you know, and you, so you, Glenn... You, you guys were like a Sunday night band there? Is that what I yeah, so, understand? Well, eight, so, um, yeah, Fiona had a, a steady Sunday night gig. But in the meantime, she, Glenn had been playing in her band, and Glenn knew Amy because Glenn had been in New Orleans, and Amy's dad had opened a club down there at yep. one point. I think she had been hanging out down there, spending some time with her dad down there. Yep. And so she and Glenn met, and they started uh, getting together with Fiona um, in New York, and the three of them were singing kind of like old gospel harmony tunes, you know? Right. So it kind of started with those three, and then we... Uh, Fiona's the one I remember making the calls and, like, calling me up and saying, hey, we have, you know six dates in March, I think it was, of 2000, I want to say 2002, but... Uh-huh, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, that, that would make sense, because I think we then recorded in October of 2002. Right, right, yeah. If I remember correct. No, uh, I'm getting my dates all screwed up. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, yeah, so 9C was kind of where it all got started, and that's where we all met each other, and um, we started playing Sunday nights there, and it was this weird thing, because we were playing a bunch of these gospel tunes, and then some people were like, oh, are you guys like a Christian rock band or what? And um, we were like, ah, you know, we, we used to call the Sunday night thing Sunday School for Sinners. <laughs> I love it. There you go. So, yeah, a little bit yeah. opposite. And then, if I understand correctly, a local studio owner recorded you and then sent your demos to uh, producer T-Bone Burnett? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, we played... Yeah, so one of the guys in the band was Jimmy Zhivago, our mm -hmm. guitar player, who, uh, you know, he passed away, Yeah. Um, I guess, a couple of years ago at this point. Um, be a couple years in November. Um, but he had this really cool, um, ambient style, you know, really used to, that's why I kind of picked Jesus on the main line because I love his playing on that, mm. on that recording. Oh, you know? nice. So atmospheric and so vibey. And he was kind of partners with a guy named Steve Rosenthal who owned a great, studio in Soho called The Magic Shop. And when Steve heard us, he said he he basically offered us free studio time to come in and record. Oh, nice. Um, and that's... So we recorded there, and once we had... Uh, well, we started with doing demos there, and then we booked a week there to make a record. And when the record was done... He said, you know, I've already been doing some, I don't know if he was doing some mixing or mastering or something for the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack. Nice. And he said, I have contacts with T-Bone. 
I'm going to get this record to him and see what he thinks. And then T-Bone heard it, loved it, took it to Sony, and got us signed. Sweet. Sweet. It was sweet. Yeah, yeah. It was super sweet. Cause, yeah. uh, what, what I remember most about that is how psyched we were. But I also had a little bit of skepticism. I was like, all right, you know, are we really, you know. Is this real? Really, is yeah. this really happening? Right. And so... So when I knew it was really happening was when we went to the offices and then they they opened up the vaults and they were like, take whatever CDs you want, you know? Oh, man. <laughs> and then one day, uh, the guy from who was kind of looking out for us over there, this guy, John Ingracia, I had kind of snidely said, oh, yeah, we're signed with Sony. Can you get me some, uh, some Miles Davis CDs <laughs> and some Bob Dylan? The next time we played, he showed up with three grocery bags. What? One was the complete Bruce Springsteen catalog. Oh my One God. was the complete Bob Dylan catalog. And the next was the complete Miles Davis catalog. Oh, my God. I was God. like, I guess we're signed to Sony. Yeah, so, you are. So, now it's real, yeah. huh, Tony? Totally. Tony. Now, of course, Amy Helm being part of that band, she was my guest a couple of weeks ago. Talk to me about the first time you met her dad, Levon. The first time I met Levon, so we had been, so I told you we were in the, the magic shop recording the Olabel record, and there had been talks like, we got to get Levon to come and play on a track or two. I was blown away, because this is like one of my childhood heroes. You know, I grew up listening to him. I grew up seeing, you know, clip of the night they drove old Dixie down, you know, from the last waltz and all that. I like. I was blown away. So, <laughs> I'm. I'm. We're recording the Olabel record every day in the studio during the day, and at night I was playing at the Jazz Standard with the legendary tenor sax player Illinois Jacquette. Oh man! So, yeah. So in his big band, and he is notoriously one of the hardest band leaders of all time. Like counts off the song and is immediately like cursing out each member of the band while the music's playing and like he ran the band like a marine drill sergeant oh know? harsh he was, he was a tough tough character his nickname is the beast that's how all the musicians refer to him oh the beast <laughs> tough character so i was kind of a nervous wreck because we were doing this record during the day with olabel and then i was going at night i'd put on my like powder blue tuxedo <laughs> and uh you still have go, that one tony no no that when i left the band they took the tuxedo come back. on yeah man that's the, the band uniform holy crap yeah man they <laughs> they were like they, they were like uh you know um nope when you're out of the band we collect the uniform so okay so anyway so um i forgot what day it was you know like maybe you know, it was later in the week. It was like Wednesday or Thursday or something. Just as I'm getting ready to go to the Jazz Standard, leave the studio for the day, I got my, I'm putting on my tuxedo. <laughs> and, um, and Levon comes, shows up with a couple of guys, Butch Tenner. I don't yeah, know if you know of him, course. Like, Everybody Butchie, knows but, Butchie. Come on. Yeah, man. So Butchie, this was my first time meeting him too. Oh, and, um, cool. 
And so Butchie shows up with Levon in tow, you know, and, and Levon shows up and he's got like um, sticks and like hot rods, you know, like, um, you know, those little stick bundles and he's passing them out to everybody. And I was just, honestly, I was speechless. I didn't know what to say at oh. all. I was just kind of like, I can't believe this guy's here and he's going to play on our record, you know? And, um, and he was like, he saw me putting on my, um, my, uh, powder blue tuxedo jacket. And I was, I was kind of <laughs> sheepishly putting it on. He's like, he looked at me and he was like, son, go punch that union card. Go make that money. He was like, you know, he's a, he's, you know, he liked seeing people that were professional musicians out there making a living. You yeah. know, he was like a champion of musicians, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so it was super exciting. And, uh, and, you know, of course we've, we've all had so many adventures up at the barn since that. And you got to you play know, with him. I mean, you sat alongside him. I mean, wow. Right. I mean, does it get better than Man, that? Well, it was, that was also mind blowing to me, you know, um, and, and how that all ended up taking place was, you know, kind of at the rambles. We, Olabel was kind of there along with Alexis P. Suter band sure. as he, as he started to do those, uh, put the rambles together, you know, and, um, and so it just kind of ended up being that, you know, there were, I think at first there was a couple of kits and then later it kind of became, um, you know, he'd come down front and do the acoustic portion and when he'd play mandolin, I would play drums and, uh, yeah, I mean, I just. Now you play mandolin too, right? Because he was like. So one of the first rambles that they had, uh, and this. Wait, this is actually not only because of the ramble. It was because the, the first tour that Olabel did was something called the Great High Mountain Tour. Mm-hmm. T-Bone put us on this tour. Uh, With Allison Krauss, they, right? Yeah, Allison Krauss, Ralph Stanley, um, uh, Norman and Nancy Blake, all these, like, huge people of the folk and bluegrass world, yeah. you know, and um, he, we were like this kind of indie rock, like folk band, you know, like that I, 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 during that time, I was so freaked out that we were on that tour because those people were such masters of their craft and lifelong, they were lifers, you know, like mm-hmm. bluegrass music was their entire life and I felt like what we were doing was an appropriation of that music, you know, it wasn't, but I'll tell you being on that tour was a game changer for me because to be on that roster and hear that music every night and be on stage with Ralph Stanley at the end of every night and hear him sing amazing grace, you know, it was, it was, mind-blowing and also the other thing was that i was not allowed to play drum set at all on that tour. Oh, okay. we, we basically we had to stand up on stage and sing three tunes acapella which was 
for me at that point, I just thought, you know, my initial response was like, well, then the hell with it. I'm not going. If I, if I can't play drum set, what, right. what good is it? What, you know, this is what I do. But I realized something inside told me like, you know what, this is a big experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You. You just, um, it's a huge opportunity to be around some. It's like getting your musicians. PhD in music, right? I mean, with who you well, are. Well, yeah. I, I mean, you know, it made me, it made me think not only about my own instrument. It made me think of music in a bigger mm-hmm. spectrum. Mm-hmm. It made me open my ears, and I got to be a fly on the wall and listen to some of these guys, right? Kick and play every night and um and hear harmony singing at its absolute finest and um and so during that time you know i've 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 messed around with guitar since i was a kid so during that time i bought a mandolin nice and i thought you know i'm mm-hmm. gonna start um messing around with mandolin and amy actually showed me my first few chords oh and then and then um, some of the other people on the tour gave me a few pointers, and and um, and then I amassed a huge collection of method books and stuff. And you know, I, it, mandolin is like I go back and forth with it. If I had the time, I would uh, I would shed it every day. You know, oh, but yeah. um, I, I it's it's I go back and forth with it. You know, I'm to a point where I'm kind of proficient enough to get through uh, some songs or like an informal little acoustic jam with some friends but um right. uh you know well i just saw it. you play with freaking chris Thiele. i mean jesus <laughs> what what a gig yeah. that was this, i mean that guy is so good like he's he's beyond just being a he's just player. sick he I really think. is i mean i've yeah. seen him a couple of times and he blows my mind every single time yeah, vir- virtuoso is like yeah. is the only word, word really. I mean, yeah, I consider yeah. him otherworldly, and um, just yeah, he's just one of those guys that it it, it transcends just the instrument, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. he's a, a master musician, you know, yeah. and yeah. that was a that was a really exciting gig for sure yeah that was a lot of fun that was recently as you know music is coming back now just to go back to the rambles you guys played there for a long time and um how great with levon i mean you know and what i love is that it's still going up there you know and and it's it's growing and every week they're announcing new shows at levon helm studios and yeah it's it's you know it's a sacred place it's it's an incredible place uh, the, the time when he was still with us and having those rambles, I, I just uh, I look back kind of in disbelief that I was even a, a fly on the wall, let alone there and a part of it. You know, it was right. just uh, yeah, and it's just like it's just one of those kind of magical things, magical you know? like, things. Yeah, not, on so many levels for me, uh, not only to meet and be around Levon and just to to hang and play music with him but then like all the other musicians that were a part of that scene right 
right. that are now just a part of my life. You know, it's, I just can't believe it. Everybody from uh, Larry Campbell and Jimmy Vivino, Stephen Bernstein, Clark Gaten, Brian Mitchell, uh, Mike Merritt, everybody, everybody the best that was a part of it. You know, it just and it became this amazing musical family that when we all get together and um, you know and are there all together like this this last ramble that we did which was a couple weeks back and I hadn't seen Eric Lawrence like in a year probably you know and it was so great to see him and um, you know and just uh, it's it's it kind of for me uh defined my whole life as a musician you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Felt, you know yeah now those are some sweet memories you must have i mean i've been to a few but you involved in the band like you said it's family and dude i gotta tell you phil lesh hello <laughs> i'll never forget the day phil called ah dude some kids i was just ah i would have oh my I, god i yeah. love phil well, love well, I, you know, through the 80s, I think I was, I think I was 14, the first Grateful Dead concert I went to. Where was it? Uh, Hartford Civic Center. Oh, October nice. 15th, 1984. I was there. You were? I was. My first show was in 83 at Nassau, and after that, every other one, I would see them. I would see them every time they came to Hartford, because, geez, it was only two hours away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I um, from that point on, I went every year. Mm-hmm. Every year they were in Hartford, I went and um, and did a few road trips. Uh, <laughs> saw them in uh, July. Saw them on July fourth, eighty seven, with Bob Dylan at Foxborough. Yeah. Stadium. Saw them at uh, Saratoga Performing Arts in eighty eight. Went to Giant Stadium in eighty nine. With Los Lobos, oh. we like camped out in the parking lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, Philly Spectrum, so, so, and I have, I have a pretty deep love and appreciation for the Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia. I'm with you. Um, the music, the songs, the spirit. Yeah. Um, and have learned about so many other styles of music through the Grateful Dead, whether it's New Orleans music, bluegrass music, uh, people like Ornette Coleman or Sun Ra, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, um, so... But then how did you hook up with Phil? I mean, like, here you are, this fan of the Grateful Dead, and next thing you know, you're on stage with Phil Lesh. Yeah, it wasn't that uh, quick and easy. A uh, <laughs> couple of um, years in between. Well, no, it was like um, um, he had opened Terrapin Crossroads. Yeah. And he was starting to do shows out there. Um, and a friend of mine named John Graveoff, who's an incredible pedal steel guitar player and great guitar player as well, kind of a master musician really and uh, a dear friend and kind of a mentor to me in a lot of ways um, 
he had been in Ryan Adams' band called Ryan Adams and the Cardinals, and Bill had an association with Ryan. Ryan had played with Bill Lesh and Friends. Uh, Ryan was um, uh, a big Grateful Dead fan and had even made a record called, I believe it's called Cold Roses, mm-hmm. that was very inspired by the music of the Grateful Dead and Jerry Garcia. And um, so one of the first people that Bill had asked out to Terrapin was John Grayboff. And uh, we had both been on tour together with Shooter Jennings, Mm -hmm. the um, son of Waylon Jennings. And um, John kept calling me up and saying, you know, I'm out here playing with Bill, you know, and he's giving me this list of tunes. Have you ever heard a tune called Bird Song? I'm like, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have, have you ever heard it? You know, have you ever heard a tune uh, called Scarlet Begonies? I'm like, yeah, of course, <laughs> man. I know all these tunes. Yeah. <laughs> Which versions should I check out? You know, and and um, so I'm not sure how it came up. They were out there. I don't know if they had a few different drummers that had been going through there. And John, I'll always be indebted to him for this, but he threw my name in the hat and mentioned my mentioned me to Phil and um, and little by little he kept saying yeah I told Phil about you I told you know I was like yeah great now it'd be great if he calls but you know never get your hopes up or whatever right and then one day he said man I think Phil's gonna call you so you know if you see a 415 San Francisco number pop up pick it up answer it you know mm-hmm and lo and behold, he called me up and asked me to come to some shows out of Terrapin. Oh, man. I think that was probably around 2012. And wow. once again, mm. I met so many musicians, other wow. musicians through that experience, people that I, Ugh. you know, You ever just, like, like, pinch are, yourself? You know, here you were playing with Levon, hanging out there with Phil, and, jeez, you know, pretty good stuff. I do, I, I, I do, and I, I never ever take it for granted because these are people that uh, you know it's like yeah they're rock stars you know and the general public thinks of them as like rock stars you know that have lived you know whatever kind of life they think a rock star lives but I think first and foremost they were musicians yes. you know and and their music had a profound effect on me and so it really feels like a full circle kind of thing mm-hmm. for me yep. Yep. to uh, get to experience playing music with them firsthand, you know, and it's, it's like a, you know, like we were saying before, it's like a folk story that's handed down from generation to generation, you know, and, um, right. and I'm uh, proud to have experienced those musical stories from these people firsthand, you know, and, you know, and like in Levon's case, his lineage goes so deep, you know, into the Delta, you know, like his lineage goes back to people like, you know, Sonny Boy Williamson and being a young man or a young boy and hearing like Bill Monroe or like he used to tell me stories about when he was in high school, either borrowing a friend's car or like, I don't know if he took 
the bus or whatever going from Marvel over to Memphis to go hear the Johnny Burnett trio. You wow. know? Yeah. Johnny Burnett rock and roll trio and Carl Perkins and people like that in Memphis, you know. So so Yeah, that's um, that's some deep roots there, that's for sure. Yeah, that's deep roots, you yeah. know, and it's and um and so I yeah, I pinch myself when I think about those things. Yeah. Some good uh, stuff. I, I don't take it for granted, and I'm I'm very grateful and happy for those memories, and I just want that stuff to be a part of whatever I'm presenting. Well, my friends, you've I got play. a whole lot of new, fresh memories coming up, don't you? I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess so. Scott sherrard has been on my show numerous times, and he's unbelievable. When yeah, he unbelievable. talks about you know, when growing up was Almond Brothers or Little Feet. And yeah, look what happened to him. And you with The Rock. Or, I mean, come on, tell us all what's going on with uh, the connection with you and Little Feet now. It's strange, you know, like I had <laughs> met, um, I think the first time I met Paul and Fred was at a ramble. And Mr. Butch Denner introduced me to them. Butchie's the man, there. isn't he? He's the yeah. he's the connector of so many people. Yeah, and he knew that I was a fan. He knew how much I love their music. Um, and so I met them there, and he introduced me, and they were super cool, and we hung and had a great time. Um, and then I think maybe a year or two later, they were playing at Terrytown and I met Butchie up there again, and uh, he introduced me to Richie Hayward, and um, we have a picture of that, thankfully, because Richie, like Levon, is also one of my favorite drummers of all time. I think Butchie just posted that on your post or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so... Then let's see. I had been I had been playing for a couple of years with Anders Osborne, who I also met at um, Terrapin Crossroads, mm-hmm. playing with playing with Phil. And um, he would do he would do these gigs during Jazz Fest in New Orleans, and he called it called it Dead Feet. Mm-hmm. And it was basically Paul and Fred from Little Feet. And with a, another, you know, bunch of group of musicians all playing uh, Grateful Dead and Little Feet covers, you know. Nice. And so one year he asked me to be a part of it. And not only was I going to get to play with Paul and Fred from Little Feet, but uh, uh, the other drummer on the gig was Billy Kreutzmann. Oh, come on. Dead. That is so awesome. So, hey, did you ever so see Little Feet his- and the Dead together? I never did, no, because by the time they were, well, that that would have been, when was 80s. Little Feet opening for the dead? 80s. I never saw any of those shows. Oh, so good. I mostly only ever went to um, East Coast. Yeah, I, this was East Coast. Um, I saw them up at Old Orchard Beach in Maine, um, Little Feet opening for the dead. Oh, that had to be killer. Oh, it was unbelievable. This parachute guy comes flying in over the stage. It was just, it was... Man, nothing like that happens anymore. Yeah, shows, huh? yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was killer. Anyway, sorry, keep going. You, re- I regressed. Oh, yeah. 
please. <laughs> please, that's the best part, regressing. But, yeah. uh, I don't know. So, um, oh, I've been playing with Anders who did the Dead Feet thing. And then, um, I guess for years, Little Feet's been doing these trips to Jamaica. Yes. You know, where, like, resort trips where fans would go down there and hang with the band for a week in Jamaica. And the Midnight Ramble Band had also been a part of it the last, I don't know, six, seven years maybe, maybe longer. And I um, I got a call one year to kind of go down with the Midnight Ramble Band. I guess this would have been 2015. Um, and so since 2015, I think I've done three or four of the Jamaican things with the Ramble Band. Not a pl- bad place to be in, in January, right? Not at all. <laughs> and, um, and so then I started kind of being in the Little Feet orbit a little more during that time. Um, so... Um. Oops. Oh, no. Ah, Tony Leone, we got disconnected. It's 4.56. You're tuned in to 91.3 WVKR Independent Radio. Let's get him back on the phone. Tony. I, got, I lost you for a second. That's okay. Sorry. We're here. We're here. We're good. <laughs> We're good. Uh, yeah, so the... um. Yeah, so anyway, you know, met all the guys. Interestingly enough, though, I never did sit in with Beat on any of those gigs. They were Everybody would always sit in, and I would always kind of be like, man, everyone gets to sit in with Little Beat, <laughs> and I never do. You know? <laughs> but, uh, so, anyway, like, I knew all the guys, had hung with them all, had, um, hung a bunch with Bill and Paul and Fred and um, and then um, just got this call out of the blue like right after the pandemic hit I would say like maybe it was the end of March or beginning of April right 2020 um, of course yeah 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 that uh, who was the call from first it was from their manager at the time Cameron Sears yeah and then right after that, Bill Payne called me. Oh, nice. He said, yeah, we're, we've, we're interested in doing some stuff, and would you be interested in being part of the band? And I was like, uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, yeah. No, no brainer, you know. Bill Payne so, has to be one of the most nicest, most genuine people I've ever spoken with. Well, what I've found so far is that all the dudes are that way, you mm-hmm. know, um, Mm-hmm. Paul Barrera was a super mellow, down-to-earth cat, you know, just like no kind of weird, you know, I don't know, like rock star grandeur or anything from, right. from any of them. They're all musicians, you yep. know, and, and they all have really interesting stories, you know, like they didn't... Um, they they all have kind of done things with other musicians, you know, mm-hmm. like, and and Bill has a huge uh, catalog of 
studio things that he's done over over the course of his career with everybody from like you know Bonnie Raitt and uh, and the Doobie Brothers and and Toto and all kinds of different things you know that he's right, done right 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 yeah yeah um, as you know and and Kenny Gradney who I was just talking to on the phone earlier today just. Checking in. He was a nice. part of Delaney and Bonnie, you know. Wow, okay. Before, I did not know yeah, that. Uh-huh. As was as was Sam Clayton. Wow, okay. Uh, before they joined Little Feet uh, in 73, you know, when they, they uh, were a part of the Dixie Chicken record. That's when they came on board. And but prior to that, they were, um, uh, they were in Delaney and Bonnie. Oh, man. Friends, you know, oh. and in fact, there's a... I don't know if you've seen that movie, um, Festival Express. I have not. So Festival Express was that, um, was basically a Canadian folk festival that happened, I believe it was the summer of 1970. Oh, yes, I heard about this with the train ride. Yeah, the train ride, and it's like, it's the Grateful Dead, and it's Janis Joplin, and it's the band. Right. And it's uh, Delaney and Bonnie and Friends. Oh, man. I, I... forget who else is on there but there's clips of all these guys riding this train across canada what a trip that must have been and (laughs) there's there's lots of footage of of kenny grant kenny gradney and bob weir um i guess there was some kind of dispute where like pete i guess fans wanted all the shows to be free and there there might have been some like rioting and and um and, and Kenny, there's there's a scene with a press conference with Kenny Gradney and Bob Weir that's like, yeah, man, they they were they were there in in 1970. That's what they were doing, you know. So that's right, right. three years prior to Little Feet, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So they all they, that. My point is that they were all they're all such mellow dudes, you know, and they're all uh, have really cool interesting stories and careers outside of the band as well as in the band. Right. And Bill is like, Bill's just a really creative cat. Man. Yeah. He's a photographer too. He's a photographer and he's a writer, yep. you know, yep. and, uh, and obviously a composer. And, and you've been, you got this call like what, 15 months ago sitting around like, what, when is this happening? And now you can tell people. Yeah, you gonna hit, hit the road we're a little bit. Ready to hit the road, yeah. Yay. I mean, like this year and three months has been up and down, roller coaster, torturous in a way. Right. You know, like just like, yeah, people, you know, yeah. I guess I'm in Little Feet. Uh, yeah, uh, I yeah. Guess I'm playing. <laughs> like, I believe mean, it I when it happens play. or something, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like I'll believe it when I'm on the plane going to the first rehearsal or whatever, but. Right, right. But as of yesterday, they just announced that um, um, November 11th, we start uh, like a 10-show run. I yeah, think. you do. Or 10-show row. Yeah, you do at the Cap Theater in Porchester. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be um, fan requests. Yep. Each gig is going to be by request. Oh, so, um, so sweet. So now, there's a live like, stream going on, too. Are you part of that, on the live stream on September 20th? That, yes, that's going to be... That's when we will first convene mm-hmm. together. That will be... We're getting together in mid-September for rehearsals. Yep. And then uh, 
And then on the 20th of September, we are doing a live stream. So much fun. Yeah, I think it's going to be about an hour. Okay. And so. littlefeet.net is their, um, their website, too. So people can, like, sign up. Because I signed up on the website, and now you get the ticket alerts and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you guys are playing Jazz Fest in New Orleans, right? I don't know that we're doing Jazz Fest, actually. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, did did you see a listing for yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. Oh. I think it was on Feet's uh, website. Oh, I guess <laughs> you might go to Jazz Fest. I, I really <laughs> hope so, man. I really, really hope so. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, um, yeah, I love. First of all, it's my favorite city in the entire world well tony you're going to build me up because i got to tell you it's on my bucket list and it's one place i haven't been and i've always said i don't want to go for jazz fest i just want to go when it's just like the regular musicians but i don't know i don't know well yeah i mean jazz fest is is it's huge you know it's like impossible to get a cab anywhere and it's like throngs of people everywhere right um but you can go to new orleans any time of year and you're going to feel that feeling you know brian mitchell said to me once um before i had actually been there and my first time was there was anders osborne oh nice there okay to to rehearse with him Mm -hmm. he was like bro you never been to new orleans man and i was saying how much i love the meters and dr john and professor long hair yeah and he was like bro you got to get down here man i'm gonna bring you down here and he did you know and he brought me down to rehearse with him and then uh, i started playing in his band but mm. brian mitchell said to me once you know man you can listen to the music you can uh you can learn the music off of records and stuff but until you get there and experience what that city feels like yep it's, it's yep. not the same you know it's not brian the same. told I, me yeah. he told me go like two weeks before uh, jazz fest that's what he yeah. said yeah yeah yeah. When it's quiet, yeah. still, you know, because there is a spirit to that city, and it's uh, you. It's um, it's simultaneously an American city and like and like some other place at the same time. You know, okay. it's like there's like European things in it. There's like French influence, Spanish influence. Yeah, yeah, African influence, you know, and all these things kind of swirling around all together, and well, the food is just the best on the planet. And well, I tell you, between you and Brian talking about it, I'm t- I, 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 I can't tell you, I have such a pull to go there, it's almost frightening. Louis Armstrong's like my favorite musician on the planet, right? I, I, he was, I, I mean, he's, the, he's ground zero for it all. Right, you know? right, right, right. And I share a birthday with him, so geez, I better go. Oh, man. <laughs> Wait, but uh, they, they say his birthday was July 4th, It wasn't. it's not really, right? It's, it's August 4th. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's actually August 4th, so yeah, yeah, so oh gosh, yeah. So um, Little Feet, um, I can't tell people enough if you haven't gone, it's the band to go see live, right? I mean, there's nothing like seeing Feet live, and Tony, you are now going to be part of this band, you and Scott Sherrard, I mean, hello, you know, just so I, cool. You know, I can't, uh, I, I can't say how excited I am, you know, there, uh, no words for it. I am um, so excited for the two of you, I really, and, truly you am. you know, I, I could say, like, Scott is just a powerhouse. 
Yeah. You know, his, his playing is, um, his playing is incredible. His singing is incredible. And, um, you know, I've, I've been a, you know, fan of his as, as much as a buddy over the years. And for, it's funny because for years we've always kind of been in contact, but like, you know, like when I was on the road with CRB all the time, I would always check in with him from the road and be, you know, text back and forth about blues records that I'd find on the road or stuff we were listening to. And cause he's such, he's got deep knowledge yes. with yes. the blues, you yes. know? And, um, yes. so, uh, you know, and he'd say, man, if you dig that record, check out this record, you know? And, and, um, oh, man. so, it's and he'd always you know, I'd be back in town. And he'd say, you know, man, you know, I already got guys in my band, but uh, you know, man, we got to do something one of these days. You know, one of these days, and we'd both always say that. You know, one of these days we got to get a project going, and so here we are. We're here you are, part of together. Little Feet Together. <laughs> I it couldn't have happened to two nicer guys. I'm so oh, happy thanks, for the Rita. two of you. Thanks. Really, really, really. I thanks. I hope to be at that first show at Portchester. My daughter goes to school college up at Ithaca, so you guys oh, are, yeah. are playing We're there. Playing up there, yeah. yeah. November 12th. I already told her. I was like, mandatory. You must go. And she's a music performance major too. I'm oh, like, cool. put down your violin and get to the State Theater in Ithaca. You gotta check the these people out so yeah she must be good if she's going to Ithaca yeah 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 she yeah yeah she is and she went to the heart school she auditioned there and same thing with you like the New York City thing was too overwhelming for her at that yeah and even Boston would have been so she ended up at Ithaca so same thing yeah yeah I actually auditioned at Ithaca oh nice I got got into Ithaca yeah but um I, I think it was like a question of you know budget yeah, you know, college is so expensive. Yeah, yeah. For her, so, she she did better at Ithaca than she did at Hart because Ithaca is still in state, even though it's not a, a state school. Right, it just right. it means a little something. So yeah, yeah, you know. So yeah, that worked out for her too. But she was accepted and auditioned at Hart also. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, good stuff. But Little Feet, you guys are going to be in Ithaca. You're going to be at the Mayo Performing Arts Center in Morristown, New Jersey, November 13th, November yeah. 15th on Long Island, Huntington, November 16th, Albany, The Egg. You guys must have some tour bus driver because he's literally going boom, 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 bouncing all over uh. the place. So. <laughs> Let's hope he's a good one and a safe one. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, I'm just so thrilled for you, Tony. And I'm going to play a track now because um, I'm going to, yeah, we're going to play a track here that you sent me. Tell me about Long Distance Love. Oh, okay. Um, interesting thing about uh, that is the way we recorded it all remotely. Um, each person doing their part in a different place basically mm-hmm. you know um mm-hmm. this was the first the first thing that i recorded uh as part of the band and um you know uh it's one of their classic ballads from uh i think it's from last record album and um uh it's just a, a beautiful tune and scott sings the hell out of it and um you got guest vocals there from Amy Helm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah, you know? we're, we're going to give it a spin, and folks, tickets are either on sale or pre-sale sign-up, littlefeet.net. Tony, what's your website? TonyLeoneMusic.com, correct? That's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, keep up with all good things. You've got all kinds of fun stuff happening all the time. Um, you have a, a a fan page or a music page, too, on social media. People should check out Tony Leone Music. And, um, uh, yeah, Tony Leone Music on Instagram. On Insta, on Facebook, and keep up with all the wonderful things you have going on. And uh, it was really cool to see you play with Chris Thiele. And I will be at a Little Feet show coming up soon and maybe see you before then too but i want to just i just want to thank you for your time it's been such a pleasure talking with you i hope you return sometime and um you know man i have to thank you for reaching out too and and just to uh to also be included in the um the, the huge number of musicians that have been on your show like all so many great people from the woodstock area you know that you've had on i know you um, if you haven't had him on already, he's maybe going to be on Jimmy Weeder. Oh, God, yeah. I've had Jimmy on a couple of times already. He was yeah, on last you know. month. You know who my first guest was? And I came up with this show just like out of my own thing. This is a non-commercial station. Larry Campbell, Teresa Williams. And right, after so. that, it was like gravy. If I could talk to them on air and get it okay, it was like, okay, after that, I'm good. You know? I mean, and, you know, like... First and foremost, Larry is just like he's incredible. You right. know, I mean the, the 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 level of dedication that that guy to music that he has, you know, at, given in his life. You know, it's for him to be so fluent and masterful on so many different instruments. Um, yeah. You know, he's an incredible guy. That man so, can play anything with a string. So my intro yep. music to my show is a is a, a track that Larry gave me. And I love it. I honor him doing that because he really pushed me to do this show because it really is about like Hudson Valley stuff, you know. And yeah, so my point is to be included in that number with people like Larry and Jimmy Weeder and all the other musicians you've had on there is like... It's an honor for me. So, well, you know, Tony, I, I mean, thank you for that. You are in that in that circle. You are right smack in the middle of it. I couldn't be happier for you. Seeing you on stage with Little Feet, I'm going to get goosebumps. I got goosebumps talking about it. I will be in touch. And thank you so much for your time today. And uh, safe travels, my friend, and enjoy every second on stage. Thank you so much, Rita. I'm going back to the practice room now to All get right. it together. Get it together. <laughs> You're going on the road. All right. All right. Take care, Tony. Take it easy. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. 91.3 WVKR Independent Radio, Poughkeepsie, New York. That one ran a little bit longer, but it was too good to turn it off. So let's take a listen to a track from Little Feet. And we just spoke with Tony Leone, the Tony Leone, the newest member of the legendary group Little Feet. Let's take a listen to a track he sent to me. And you are tuned in to 91.3 WVKR.
person they said what is it that you need i said oh i need a soul they said you've got to stop your pleading cause no matter what you do even pray to heaven above all you'll ever WVKR, Little Feet, Long Distance Love. It's really a beautiful video, too, that you can check out on YouTube. Again, the track is called Long Distance Love by Little Feet. And we just spoke with its his, their newest member, Tony Leone, drummer. Tony Leone will be joining Little Feet, who just announced their tour, Little Feet net. They are playing locally and they will be up in Albany. They'll be in on Long Island, Morristown, New Jersey, Ithaca, New York, and the Cap Theater in Portchester. 
lots of great shows coming up with Little Feet. So, and they'll be doing a live stream in September. Littlefeet.net. A huge thank you to Tony Leone. How much fun talking with him. We'll go out with another track that he sent my way. In the meantime, we're going to keep spinning some music. You are tuned into Local Motion here. I'm your host, Rita Ryan, here each and every Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. This show focuses on music of the Hudson Valley. This gentleman will be coming to the Falcon on Friday with the one and only Paul Schaefer. Yes, that Paul Schaefer from the David Letterman Show. Let's take a listen right now to to C.G. Munoz here on 91.3 WVKR. Thank you. 
waking up, I'm feeling strange, don't know where I've been. Circles moving endlessly have brought me here again. It's days like this, I'm beaten down into clay and waiting for the new plant that will grow, the one that needs creating. Sitting in the kitchen with the dim light peeking in But I know that her hand will bring me back again Time we have, and how long will it last? 